0: Welcome to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud news platform. You can follow us and follow all the greatest stories on America Out Loud on AmericaOutLoud.news. Tonight, my special guest host is Heather Robinson of the New York Post. And we have Heather on tonight to talk about a piece that she recently wrote in honor of Veterans Day titled Veterans Day 2023, Meet the Heroes Who Kept America Safe we're going to post this up on our podcast when it does uh, go up. The article came out November 11th, and I would encourage you all to go and look at it. And I want to talk about this. I not only look at it, but to read it and to share it, but I want to talk about this in light of what we're going through right now, two wars, a war in Ukraine, which I don't feel that we should be in. And Heather has given her opinion on it. Also the war in Israel, in the middle East uh, that was started by Hamas and, Before we go into that conversation, I want to just quote the opening to Heather's article that she wrote in the New York Post, and it reads, on Veterans Day weekend, 2023, we can be proud that the United States still has citizens willing to fight and die for their country. As America faces renewed threats, both at home and abroad, meet eight brave U.S. veterans of our nation's two most recent conflicts. Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. I'm going to pause right now so that our listeners can digest what I just read. Two most recent conflicts, Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. Many of the individuals that we see protesting in support of Hamas are completely oblivious to the sacrifices of Americans during these two conflicts that took place almost 20 years ago, complete oblivious that we were fighting a war so that they could have their freedom or could continue the freedom that they have. And you would think that with that freedom, they would use it wisely in support of America But as of lately, with this Democrat regime that's in office, they have done everything to demonize America and to say America is not a great country. But yet, still in this article, this Veterans Day article, Heather spoke with veterans who put their lives on the line to protect this great country. Earlier on in the week, Andrew and I, we spoke about the wars that are taking place, and we spoke about the men and women who go to war. As of now, the military, the recruitment numbers are extremely down. No one wants to enter the military. It begs the question, why? But two days ago, Heather, I saw an advertisement on TV, and it was geared toward young white men telling them, be all that you can be, join the military. And it showed these like strapping young men going and signing, like they were on a mission. And I thought, wow, just wow, because... This past summer, it was a different story. They were advertising the military to trans and to gays and to all these other individuals saying, oh, we want you in. We want to be inclusive. But now that we're so close to an all-out war in the country, they're reaching back to those men and women who are willing to go and fight, who are willing to lay down their lives for the country, who are willing, knowing that Might not get back home, but someone has got to do it. These are the same people that they vilify, the same men that they said that were so toxic. Now they're trying to appeal to these white men, to the sons and the daughters, or the granddaughters and grandsons of the same group that they said were toxic. They were colonizers. They just destroyed the country, white privilege. Now it's a different story, because now the numbers are down in the military so now they want to go out and appease to them. They want to try and get them back in because we know if anyone who will fight for this country is the same man that they say are toxic, those same men that they say are backwards. They say they call them stupid. They're dumb. But they're willing to pick up arms and fight for this country that has turned their back on them. Wow. When I saw that advertisement, I thought just wow. After months of demonizing these men, telling them that they're no good promoting transgender and trans and gays and all this in the military, now you want to go back and you want to get the real men and women who will actually fight, who will lay down their lives for the country. So I think that your article is so timely to tell our listeners about men and women who risked it all, who put their lives on the line, not knowing that they were going to come back home to the bosom of their family. You look at what's happened in Israel when they called up all the young men and women who had served in the military and say, it's time to go to war. And without hesitation, from what I could see, many of them went back home proudly, knowing that I might not get back home. I probably won't get, get, get back home in the bosom of my family, but we're going to do this for our nation. Because what of a choice do we have? A country that is giving us so much? We are willing to lay down our lives for this country. Heather, thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you for writing this great article. How are you?
1: Thanks. Thanks, Rob. I'm fine. I, you know, I actually have heard of A couple of American Jewish guys who are going to fight in Israel to you know fight for Israel and Israelis so it's not even just Israelis it's some you know American Jews as well uh going so um it's a very precarious time for us Jewish people Israelis and for for the freedom loving people in the world Rob I honestly think that it's The Jews are the canary in the cave, as we often are. But I think that the enemies of freedom don't like Americans very much either. And it is a time of great trial and suffering and testing for all of us.
0: So your article continues, and it said, I read the opening, it says, in their post-military lives, these heroes continue to embody a spirit of service and encourage all of us to follow suit. Many yes. were severely disabled as a result of their service and all lost friends. Some are skeptical of the policy decisions that led to America into long military entanglements, yet non-regrets their time in uniform. I want to read that again. Yet non-regrets their time in uniform. Although, as you wrote, they suffered severe, they were disabled severely, but they so, don't regret it. Some were, yeah. but they don't regret it. Mm-hmm. hmm
1: I know. Well, I, I you know, I'm just in awe of them, Rob. And I couple thoughts. I think that maybe the types of people who are called to serve in the first place are above average in terms of their ability to sacrifice. I think it's probably true that the selfish types don't sign up for military service as often. And I think you have people of high high ability to, to serve. And, um, I just, I'm in awe of them really, Rob. I think we have tremendous people in our armed forces. I've often had the thought that if only our policymakers and politicians were the moral equals of the common soldier, we would be in a better place in the world. I mean, I don't mean to be, it's easy to criticize, but I, uh, I honestly do think that, um, in many ways, our troops have deserved better. But yes, they still have that sense of duty, that loyalty. And and I think there's something to be said for the basic truth that the enemies of America have to understand that there are Americans who are willing to fight hard and fight back, and that they push this at their risk. I think the people who want to destroy freedom, who hate America, who have this, this primitive throwback interpretation of Islam, I mean, to put it bluntly, they are not the equals of the civilized world. They are more primitive people, and right now they're engaged in great evil, and if I, you know, I don't have any doubt that our, our side will win. It's just a matter of how, how painful and how protracted and bloody, and I don't want to see it be that, of course. Um, so I think the bottom line is that, uh, you know, Americans are not going to, you know, Israelis aren't going down without the fight of their lives and neither are Americans. I mean, for all the confusion and the misinformation that abounds in our time, we are living through an era of great confusion. There thankfully are still people in our country, quite a lot of them know right from wrong and are willing to fight to defend it and defend our way of life. So that was a good uh, realization as I worked on this piece. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud to have gotten to interview these heroes.
0: Well, something that you just said is that it takes a certain kind of person to join the military and the fact that they did it, I mean, to me, it makes them a hero automatically because not everyone will do it. And I do recall some people in my circle when I was young who said, oh, I'm going to join the military just for the money. But when it's time to fight, I'm going home. I thought, really, how selfish. Like, I'm just going to go. I don't want to fight, but I'm, I'm, I like all the benefits. But then there are those that are committed. I was just skimming the article and I saw that you interviewed Joey, Joey Jones Mm -hmm. And I know his story, and it's such a remarkable thing how he had went to the military, lost his friends, he entered a stage of depression because his friend was killed, he felt that it should have been him, and he lost his legs, but yet still there are no regrets. And Mm -hmm. when you see him talking about the military, and I transpose that to young people today who don't have an inkling as to what it takes to be in the military. I look at how the military is trying to create diversity and equity. And we had on our show once Colonel Julie Hall, mm-hmm. and we've had her on more than one occasion. And she said, it takes a certain type of person to be in the military. And you want, di- there are different types of people for the different branches of the military. And she went through and she was naming it. And in the end, she said, because when you go to the military, there is one mission to kill and come back home. I thought, wow. There is no in-between. You're not going there for a tea party. So all those in the villages who are saying, oh, Israel, you should put a pause. You need to retreat. You should stop. That's not part of the mission. You go in to kill because you're saying, hey, if you do this again, this is what will happen to you. So when you go in with that mentality and not to go in to to look at my fingernails. So I look at what the recruitment and how it's down and how Lloyd Austin and Mark Miley have just completely decimated the integrity of the military, they've decimated people wanting to go in and what for? Oh, for for wokeness and for equity and equity and have all these rainbow colors there. That's not part of the mission. They should be impeached and kicked out of office. We need to send them your story. They need to read your story, Heather. And that is the reason why I want to showcase it, because people are completely delusional as to what the military is about
1: yeah i mean look we all hope that we won't be needed right we we have a strong military and we pray and hope that you go and serve and do your best and get the benefits and are never tested that's what i mean none of us wants to see our young people in harm's way but you're right that it exists for a reason and the reason is not yet to be a social program i mean it exists to defend the lives and the way of life of this country. And the country has enemies and much as we all, many of us wish and ardently pray and we wanted to believe it was the end of history and that everybody was civilized out of war. Unfortunately, we saw very brutally and clearly by the perpetrators themselves bragging about it and taking, making movies of it. I mean, it was Really unbelievable to me, that aspect of it. But, I mean, we saw a return to barbarism on October 7th, and we saw it, you know, on uh, September 11th here in the United States. Um, this country has enemies, clearly. They're, they're organized. It's not just a few rogue, lone wolves. It's These are organized armies of fanatical, zealous, primitive, hateful, savages who want to maim and mutilate and rape and murder and control and dominate and overtake our way of life. And I don't know what our military, God bless it, exists for if not to defend us against this kind of bloodthirsty, destructive, motivated enemy. You know, I have, I have no, nothing but admiration for our troops. If I have Any issue with our military brass and our policymakers, as you know, Rob, it's that sometimes I feel like we have this massive, enormous military with the best trained people in the history of human warfare and all the best equipment and everything. And it just seems like um, we're very reluctant to use it against the people who are actually attacking our own people. We, you know, we seem to be in these military engagements that are more thought to be the right thing but they're not an absolute necessity the way Israel's war is frankly and I'm talking now about the Iraq war and you know I, to some degree you know the occupation of Afghanistan I I you know I think our troops did our, their best they did everything that they were asked to do they're you know they're not at fault at all to say the least but I think that some of these policies were, were questionable. And some of the veterans I interviewed think so as well. Um, and what frustrates me sometimes is that here we have 10 American be, Americans being held captive in Israel, okay, in Gaza. We have, um, you know, Iran has attacked our country and it's it's had attacked our country's people all around the world, not, not right here on American soil, although they did, I believe, do some terrorism here. But they they, they've, you know, grabbed our hostages in 79. Their proxy Hezbollah killed 241 Marines in 1983. They've tortured, abducted and tortured diplomats several times, American diplomats in the 80s. They, their proxies are thought to have cost thousands of uh, American soldiers their lives and limbs in Iraq because Iran was funding the militias that targeted U.S. troops in Iraq all through Um, you know, our efforts to bring democracy to Iraq. Now they're funding Hamas and they're holding American citizens. I don't understand why, you know, we can't even consider putting them in their place. Um, I I don't, I mean, I I guess geopolitics is a complicated uh, business and I acknowledge that, but to me, there's something odd about the fact that we're in another proxy war, you know, as you know, I've been skeptical about the Ukraine policy from the start. However, now we're in it. So I'm not sure that it's simple to just pull out. I think it was a strategic error. But regardless, I don't think that Russia has directly attacked our people in the way that Iran has many times. So I don't mean to, you know, get onto another subject there. But I mean, it does relate back to what's going on in Israel. Right. Well, Heather,
0: we'll we'll take this up on the other end of the break because we're up against a hard break. You're listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Outlaw platform. And my special host tonight is Heather Robinson. And we're talking about her article that just recently came out on Veterans Day. We'll be back after this commercial break.
2: Nurses Outlaw Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out Out AmericaOutloud.shop. Look for ASEA.
3: But millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase for 25% off your first order.
0: We're back with After Dark with Robin Andrew and my special guest host, Heather Robinson. And we're discussing her piece that she recently wrote for the New York Post, Veterans Day 2023, Meet the Heroes Who Kept America Safe. Now, when we went to commercial break and during the break, Heather and I were talking about the protests that are taking place in and around the country, definitely here in New York City the other night, They had a protest at Grand Central Station, which is one of the major hubs for uh, individuals that are going in and out New York City from upstate New York. And they had to shut it down because of the protests. And they had one woman who is a, I mean, I think she's a radical, Linda Sensor. And she was there uh, disputing all kinds of hatred. What I find interesting, again, you have this piece that Heather wrote, people who put their lives on the line so that someone like her to have free speech, and you would think she would use it judiciously, but instead, her free speech, she has packed with hate, dissent, evil rhetoric, and no one is challenging her on it. And as Andrew and I said the other day, now, Heather, you, you're you going to probably <laughs> not agree with me about what I'm about to say, Sorry. but I, you know, I look at the media, and I'm always calling the media out. And I enjoy a free press. I am part of the press. I went to journalism school. But I think people have gotten confused what our forefathers meant by a free press, because I don't think our press is free anymore. To the extent I feel it has become an arm of the Democrat Party, which means that it is now part of the government, and they're doing the government's bidding. And if that is the case, hear me clearly, it has to be shut down because there's no longer a free press. It is a propaganda arm of the government. And I feel very strongly about this because too many things are taking place in society that you would expect them to challenge and to call out. But instead, they have been spinning a narrative from our corrupt government under the Biden regime – a narrative that is disinformation and misinformation. And I think that's extremely deadly. And we saw that happen in Nazi Germany. It's taking place in Russia, China. This has got to stop. So we don't have a free press. We have a free press that's being operated by the media, Heather. I'm sorry, by the government.
1: Well, I don't know that it's directly being operated by the government. I mean, I don't have evidence that that's the case. I think the press is very lousy in a lot of ways and has been for a long time. I hear you, Rob. I think the liberal media has been very biased, including against Israel and against you know conservative values and people in the country. We see there's been a big agenda to stop Trump, you know, a democratically elected president. And I, I think America is not the only country where this is happening. Um, I actually think it's happened in Israel too. My take on that is that, that the, and it gets very complicated. Israel's government and its workings are highly, highly democratic. I would say even more so than ours in that it's complicated. There are many different um, factions, you know, and, and within the Knesset, they need to build coalitions to get elected etc. But one thing I think, just to, to, it's an analogy, you know, the the Israeli press has been very anti-Netanyahu overall, and they have presented the judicial reform conflict as Netanyahu trying to override, um, well, there is no constitution in Israel, but him trying to override the will of the people. However, in my humble opinion, it's, it's the opposite. Netanyahu was elected democratically you know, by the majority, albeit a razor-thin majority, but he was elected by the majority. And what he was trying to do was express the will of the people to have checks and balances on the judiciary. The judiciary of Israel, as it is now, my understanding is that judges can just keep appointing other judges and there is no check on their authority to do that. So they have a lock on the courts. So there can't be any conservative justices, basically. So he's, you know, he as a Democrat. My, but anyway, my, my point in, in, in this isn't to go into the details of Israel's politics, but to say that the press, I think, in Israel tends to be liberal the way it is here. And they've presented it to the people and to the world as Netanyahu is out of control. And he's, you know, authoritarian and trying to override but actually he's representing the will of the majority of Israelis who want a more balanced judiciary. They, they want there to be some check on, they don't want the, the judges to have unlimited power, you know, to appoint other hard left judges and make these, you know, determinations and, and judgments in, in, in perpetuity that are always going to be extreme leftist judgments, you know? So, but the point is the press I don't think has done a fair job of explaining that the israeli press so it's similar i mean does that mean that the press is the enemy of the people i mean yeah in our opinion it is but it's it's just the way it's evolved i don't think it's being directed by the government you know it's just that these are left-wing sort of people who Go into that field, and I, to me, it just is the way it's evolved. And I don't think you can legislate. I think the answer is more conservative media and independent media, whether in Israel or here, like what we're doing, like what Rupert Murdoch did. Of course, he's an Australian. Thanks to him, we still have conservative media in America. <laughs> but but you know, um, thankfully, we have a free country, and that I think is the check on the power of the left uh, you know in media i don't think the answer is to shut them down or to censor anybody so well well, i'm not
0: saying to censor the media as a whole but again the way i've identified it is that they have become a propaganda arm of the of the government the definitely the democrat party and if that is the case they're no longer functioning independently as a news organization as the media, and if that is the case, it has to be shut down and start all over. Yeah, we can get other conservative outlets, but we need liberal outlets also. They just can't be a part of the government the way the media in this instance had set itself up as. I mean, I look at the other day, you look at what was her name, Dana Bash was questioning Benjamin Netanyahu saying, mm -hmm. uh, why won't Israel take responsibility for what happened in Israel? It's like, but Israel didn't go out and kill its own people. Israel didn't go and sorry killing Palestinians.
1: No, and I listened to that, but other people are asking it. I mean, even Israelis who I've been in touch with, Rob, some of them are very angry with Netanyahu. And I'm not personally, I don't I don't think that that's I mean, whether he and Shinbet did the best job they could have, I, I'm not saying they did. But to me, it's not so different than 9-11. I mean, I don't think it I've had this discussion with a few people and Others disagree with me because Israel has this mythical reputation for perfect security and all that. But the truth is, the U.S. was just as blindsided on 9-11, in my opinion. I mean, remember, plane after plane after plane after plane crashing into buildings. Nobody knew what the hell to do. Nobody knew who these people even were. Bush, who I liked, but I mean, he was totally shell-shocked, President Bush. In fact, you know this relates back to my article, Rob. I interviewed a young woman, Heather Penny, who was well. Now she's a woman in her middle years, but she was young then. 9/11, she was one of the the uh, National Guard pilots. Who they, everybody was so taken off guard, Rob. There was no there was no plan to shoot anything down if it was headed toward Washington. There was no provision for what happened. In other words, if Somebody started dropping bombs on Washington or, you know, flying fighter jets into D.C. Nobody had even apparently considered that as a possibility to the point where, as Heather explained to me, they didn't have time to load the F-16 planes with missiles to shoot anything down. So they were the National Guard was frantically meeting, trying to figure out what to do. They couldn't reach President Bush. They didn't have the authority to do anything. Finally they got a hold of Cheney and he told them, Do whatever you have to do to take down the fourth plane, which was veering wildly off course, possibly toward the White House. And so Heather and her boss got into their F-16s and you know, her boss, Mark Sassville, told her, you know, this is gonna be a suicide mission. We have to crash into that plane. We can't just let it crash into the Capitol or the, the White House, which is where it was headed. So they got up, you know, in, the, in their plane. You know, and in the end, it was it's a very dramatic story. The heroic passengers of Flight 93, as we recall, they forced the landing in Shanksville and they saved, you know, the lives of whoever that plane would have crashed into and also Heather and her boss's life because they were up in the air looking for that plane to stop it. The only way our country was prepared to stop it, which was, you know, through this impromptu, desperate suicide mission of two National Guard pilots. So I tell that story, not just because it's a dramatic story that's in my article, but it's an example of how America was taken totally off guard. I mean, like Trump said, I mean, everybody jumped all over him for saying it. He said well, they're smart. He, he was talking about Hezbollah. He, I think he, was, he wasn't was trying to say that they're not low-life, disgusting, evil sickos but he was saying some of these planners on this fanatical islamist side of things are not necessarily stupid i mean they came up with a diabolical plan you know 9 11 it was very primitive technology but it was a very evil clever thing they did they used our own technology against us and we were blindsided and so was israel in this case and I'm not excusing i'm not saying in either case was our security terrific and why we weren't prepared but i don't think you know i mean sure we live and learn you know we gotta be smart we gotta be defensive we gotta be we gotta go on offense really that's what who's doing that's what he's you know that's why this is happening we the time has passed for us to just sit here like sitting docks, you know, hoping we don't get attacked by radical primitive maniacs yet again. I mean, we just have to take out the planners of this maniacal primitive lunacy. We have to just go on offense and get them. And that's what he's doing. Of course, they're, after committing their horrors, they ran home and hid behind their babies in the hospital. So they're making it all horribly complicated intentionally. But that's what... Netanyahu is doing. And I guess that's what I believe that that America should do. I don't think we should sit here and let Iran's regime get nukes and give them billions of dollars or we're going to get hit next.
0: You're right. You're right. And all those individuals who are saying that, as you said, attacking uh, the prime minister, he's doing what he has to do to protect the citizens of Israel, whether you agree with it or not. I mean, it happened. They didn't throw the first uh, blow. It was Hamas, and they are meeting it accordingly. and by any means necessary. And if they have to level the field, then they have to. You'll never have people who will say, "Oh, this is the right thing to do," because they're they're fearful. But this is the only solution. Now, going back to your article, Heather, the individuals that you interviewed, like you said, uh, although they questioned, you know some of the policies, But in hindsight, they would do it all over again. And we have that now. We have people questioning, well, Israel should do this and Israel shouldn't do that. But the prime minister is looking out for the entire country. This is what we have to do to protect our citizens. And if it means that we're going to go to war and we're going to squash it, then we will do it. So the men and women that you interviewed, Heather, as you said, some of them were severely disabled. Mm -hmm. But in hindsight, they would do it all over again. Why is that? Is it for the love of the country? Is it true that it takes a certain breed of people to put on that uniform, knowing that this could be my last chance, this would be my last time, but I'm willing to do it? Share some of their stories with us, Heather.
1: Sure, sure, Rob. Well, um, Heather Penny was a very dramatic one I just shared Um She was a single woman at the time, and that's why she was tapped for this what would have been a suicide mission. She was spared that day by the brave passengers of Flight 93 who took that flight down before it could crash into the Capitol or the White House. And so she went on to serve two tours of duty in Iraq and have a family. And um, there was uh, Tim Hornick, a wonderful guy, who um, was blinded by a sniper on Veterans Day, I believe it was in 2003, he was in Iraq, guarding the, um, what's called, uh, what was the uh, Route Irish between Baghdad and the Green Zone, which was where a lot of the, the Iraqi government was headquartered. Um, it was a protected area, but he guarded the road, very dangerous road where these terrorists were attacking, trying to get the diplomats and the politicians, and he was shot in the head by a sniper. He was he was blinded, and he was a very brave man. I spoke with him. He lives in Kansas. He has a family, and he heads uh, Blinded Veterans, an organization that advocates for blinded veterans. And um, by incidentally, he told me, and you know, because of my word count, I didn't get to write about this, but amazingly, sadly, there's not as many as many services for blinded veterans provided by our government as there are for paralyzed vets. And, you know, he was careful in the way he talked to me about this. He said, of course, you know, we we don't want to take anything from our brothers, you know, the paralyzed vets and sisters. That's a very, you know, devastating kind of injury, too. But he thinks that blind vets should receive the same level of benefits And I do too. I I can't believe that that isn't the case, but it's not. You know, he explained that um, because blind vets are often ambulatory, they can walk, you know, and the standard is, you know, you have to be able to feed yourself, sit in a chair, walk. And if you have that basic level of functioning, you don't get as much in terms of money from the government for help, you know, but he said a lot of the blinded vets, especially the older guys, can't see their medications, They've had a lot of uh, bad things happen to them because they don't they don't have the money from our government. So that you know to have like a, a helper, you know, so that really tugged at my heart. And that, you know, that was something I learned reporting this story. Um, also, there was Jose Leal. He's a great guy who has PTSD, but he he served as a combat soldier in Iraq. And he now ministers to his fellow soldiers, he helps them uh, homeless vets in Los Angeles. He goes under the freeways and into the mountains and helps connect them to the services that are available, the food banks. He brings them clean clothes. Um, He says that's how he deals with his PTSD is to serve. Um, There was Randy Neely, who's a wonderful man, a family man in Helena, Alabama, Who's was 60 years old and getting ready to retire as a UPS driver. He was in the reserves when he was called up to Iraq. He was one of those fellows who signed up and, you know, got money, I guess, for school. And, and he was, you know, kind of near the end of his time that he would have been called up, but he was. So he was uh, in charge of um, interpersonal issues and discipline of thousands of Marines um, at, uh, Camp Blue Diamond and Camp Fallujah in, in Iraq. And he talked about the Marines who served um, on mortuary duty. He said that they were like his heroes. Most of them were young women, and they had to bag the personal items and wash the bodies of the fallen in Iraq. And he talked about their sense of duty, their lack of complaint, and what a tremendous kind of commitment and, and character-building experience it is to serve for him and and for him to witness that kind of um, dedication. Um, and there were, uh, they, I spoke with Dan O'Shea, who was a uh, coordinator of the hostage working group in Baghdad um, for two years, which uh, he was sent, he's a Navy SEAL, he was sent at the height of the hostage-taking crisis in Iraq. And you may recall, Rob, that there was a lot of Americans being taken and international folk being taken by Al-Qaeda being decapitated. This was around 2004, five, six, huge numbers of people being taken. And he was in charge of coordinating an effort to help rescue some of these people and to prevent people from being taken. Um, Very brave man. One of the things I learned from him is that sadly they really weren't able to rescue very many. They did rescue one freelance journalist named Jill Carroll um, and actually, I've known Dan O'Shea for some time. I interviewed him years ago. That's how he and I met. I was uh, assigned a story for another publication about the rescue of Jill Carroll, which he helped to, you know, help coordinate through special forces. She was the only American hostage rescued in all that time. So, you know, he talked about how most of their efforts were to gather intelligence and warn people in advance and, you um, people train people to be able to spot danger to avoid being taken um then there was uh, scott Mann, who's also a special forces guy who's a re- retired green beret he was in afghanistan working with um afghan special forces okay he heather had- i'm gonna
0: ha- i hate to do this but i'm gonna have to stop you we're <laughs> up against another sure. commercial break and we're gonna take this up On the other side of the break, we'll listen listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Outlaw platform, We will return after this commercial break.
4: World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness.
0: We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit GenesisFogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for
3: anything. AmericaOutLoud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation we know when you're angry troubled misled joyful and thankful we know you because we are you join us as we explore the most important issues of our time america out loud talk Radio. it's a fight for the soul of humanity
0: Okay, folks, we are back, and I'm going to toss it right back to Heather so that she can continue sharing with you some of the individuals that she interviewed for her Veterans Day piece. Take it away, Heather.
1: So the, the other fellow was Scott Mann, uh, Green Beret, who helped to train the Afghan Special Forces. He's just beside himself over what he views as America's abandonment of our Afghan allies. He told me a story about a brave man who he recruited to come back to his hometown of my was the name of the place and help to train his people to resist the Taliban. And this, these efforts went on for many years and uh, this particular man, he was remembering, and I'm going to look it up, Rob, because I would like to get his name, right. This, this man who was, he was ultimately killed by the Taliban. And um, you know, Scott told me his story because he felt, very devastated that he had helped to recruit this man to take a stand against the Taliban. And the Taliban ultimately killed the man, despite all his, you know, the the progress they made. Scott felt they did make progress in helping these people, these Afghan people who he, you know, he really had feelings for and, you know, talked about how they've suffered so much, you know. One of the things that...
0: Well, one of the things you wrote, just talking about Afghanistan, you said that they had said there is no difference in the mindset of Al-Qaeda, Islamic Jihad, ISIS, Hezbollah, or Hamas. They mm-hmm. all seek a global Islamic caliphate through mm-hmm. violence. Hamas uses their own people as human shields. They are not resistance, but a terrorist group.
1: That's and Dan you have
0: some in our media. Dan, what was his name?
1: Dan O'Shea. The name Dan is- O'Shea.
0: Right. We have some people in our media who are calling Hamas the resistance and that they're a a legitimate government. I'm thinking, are you serious? How brainwashed can you be? And now you're trying to push this down to these uninformed, uneducated about history, young people to make them get out in the street and sympathize with a terrorist group. You I have the Masumzar who's out there. I mean, Heather, it's ridiculous.
1: It's ridiculous, and you know what? They're not all strictly speaking uneducated. I mean, these people at Harvard, True. these kids. I mean, they're you can't blame low IQ. On the, I mean, that's these are people at Harvard. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, I think it's just they're just like like we've talked about. They have this simplistic paradigm that they're fed you know, that everybody can be categorized as the oppressor, you know, like the white oppressor, the darker person who's oppressed, the wealthier person's always evil and oppressive. The person who has less is always right to the point of being angelic victim, nothing negative, you know, can't be held accountable for anything. This is what is passing for education. It's this, It's it's part of the creed of victimhood and intersectionality. That's the only thing I can figure. I mean, I haven't been on these campuses as a student in a long time. And um, I don't know how anyone can possibly have. I mean, look, I do understand how somebody can be concerned for civilians on both sides. I'm not saying that's crazy. But I mean, for anybody to be sympathizing with Hamas, people who committed deliberate cruelty and barbaric mutilation of children and taped it and bragged about it i mean how anybody can be in any way in sympathy with that who's not a complete bloodthirsty fanatic themselves is beyond me especially how someone who's i mean i think these kids who are sympathizing with that are worse than the people in gaza because the people in gaza i'm not excusing them but they've been subject to war okay their whole lives These people in a fancy college somewhere are just, there's no excuse. They're like Nazi sympathizers, you know, and they're not taking, I mean, they're supposed to be smart people. They're not taking the minute of time that would be required to make a sign that says I'm pro-Palestinians, anti-Hamas. You know, I just, I care about the Palestinian civilian. I mean, that's what everybody wants to think they're saying, but I don't think that is what, I mean, at least some of them are saying they're, no, I mean, they agree with Hamas, some of them, apparently, unless they don't know how to make a sign that makes clear, you know, with a Harvard education, they can't manage to express themselves more clearly than that. I, I don't know, you know, what to say other than what they're obviously doing is supporting a terrorist organization. So, You know what? I mean, if that's what our country's producing, not just among, you know, people who are ignorant, but among Ivy educated people. I mean, that to me is the most chilling part of the whole thing. I I don't I'm at a loss for words, frankly, about that.
0: Well, you're right. I mean, some of them are educated. They're going to our like top notch Ivy League schools. Yet you have people like the ones that you interviewed who get it they understand it they recognize the enemy they see the enemy and that is the reason why i wish they had a larger platform to go and talk to these uninformed students who are being miseducated who are supporting a terrorist group like i as i mentioned when i opened up the show when i was reading the opening to your story Mm -hmm. you know the two conflicts that we were in iraq in Afghanistan, many of these kids are completely oblivious to the suffering that the United States had to endure on 9-11. They're oblivious to it. And I saw this happening while there was a concerted effort by the media or by, and, and by schools not to report on it. You look at what happened in Afghanistan, the failed withdrawal from Biden. And You look at their approach every year, September 11th. That they have the, you know, the regular, calling of the names, but the media will downplay it. It'll be for that one day, and then it's like let's forget all about it, as if though America has done something wrong. We didn't go out and attack anyone on that day. The same way, the same thing with Pearl Harbor. Look at how they try to not even discuss that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. And then we have a piece like yours that come out. I'm glad that you did this because people, we can't forget when you forget history, you're doomed to repeat it. But the only thing the media wants to remember and wants us to, uh, to dredge up is slavery and how they mistreated the blacks and how this, it's like, but. It's
1: just part of history. That's important. It's part
0: of history. we, We get it but there are other parts of history that we have to put into perspective. And the way they want to bring up slavery is that they don't want to put it in perspective, they want to say, oh, these people are still bad. They're still doing things. As I said, the toxic man, the toxic white man. And now that yeah. we're looking at going to war, look at who they're going to call on. Look at who they're trying to gear these advertisings toward. The white man. I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. After demonizing them, after saying that they were toxic, you're no good. We don't need you. Right. Now, all the what? And I'm serious about this. That was the message. I've spoken to some of my white male friends, and I said, like, you know, it feels as if Bill, you know, we are the enemy. We can't say anything. It's like, do you are you sure you want to be our friend? Do you want to continue talking to us? It's like, what happened in the past? We had nothing to do with it. But yet, still, the media wants to blame them, and they want Black people to think that these are the oppressors. They did this to you. They, 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 as opposed to it happened, we survived, we're moving forward. So mm-hmm. when I see these young people out in the streets, shutting down places, being on the wrong side of history, I'm like, do you not even know? And we sat this on one of our shows, the last show you were on, Heather, that given the opportunity, Hamas. We'll go up to them and split their throats just like anyone else. They couldn't care less. Okay, it's all about them. It's all about the caliphate. It's all about their radical and wanting to radicalize more people. But yet, out of the goodness, we have people like the soldiers that you interviewed who are willing to risk it all to go out there. Did they say anything about their families, Heather, and what their families thought about, you know, what they were doing? Uh, you know, because this is a huge sacrifice, and it just, it doesn't impact just one person. We forget mm-hmm. that it impacts the entire family. It impacts the wives, the husbands, the children, you know, the moms, the dads. There's a huge impact.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, I think, you know, most of the people I interviewed with were single at the time of their deployment. Uh, Randy Neely, the man from uh, Alabama, uh, he was married, and he actually talked about how his wife helped him. He he was, I think, already a man. I guess he would have been, like, in his late 30s or early 40s at the time. And he was, again, he was a reservist, you know, one of those soldiers who goes every, you know, maybe once a week, a weekend a month, you know, to serve. And is, you know, on standby to be mobilized in case of a big war, but, you know, didn't necessarily expect to have to go, but he got called up and he said his wife would help him. You know, he had to manage kind of almost be, he said, it's almost like, instead of being the tough Marine, I had to be, instead of daddy, I had to be mommy to the troops too. I had to listen to them, get them, you know, help if they had Counseling issues. He said a lot of it had to do with young people, you know, out of their own home environment, separated maybe from their spouses by the need to serve. And so some of them were young married people. And he said his wife would um, help him. Like sometimes, if a a soldier or a Marine's wife was left back home and the Marine was having trouble psychologically, Randy Neely would ask his wife back at home to call the wife or girlfriend of the Marine, you know, or husband to, you know, who was stateside to say, Oh, you know, your your husband's okay. You know, can I help you with anything? So, you know, it was almost like she was kind of working as a volunteer the way he described it, just because she's a good wife to him. And he couldn't always easily get in touch with people in the States so that he could bring comfort to his Marines who, you know, he was, Helping. So that was a nice story. And um, Tim Hornick, who the uh, army uh, soldier who was blinded, um, he was a newlywed at the time. And his wife, his new wife, came to his side. And, uh, you know, I asked him, did you ever doubt if she'd stick with you, Tim? And he said, no, you know, we're both stubborn, you know, and she was there. So that was really very moving. And he was very candid. He said, they've had their struggles, they've had. You know, it's been a a harrowing journey for him, of course, but that they're together and they're happy together after, you know, after some struggles, they had some counseling and they have two daughters. And so that was an inspiring story. So how do they
0: view America now? What's going on with the two wars and our leader? What are their thoughts that they, that you ask them about Biden what was mm-hmm. what did they say?
1: I didn't ask them a lot about Biden. I asked them. It's not so much about individual politicians as the direction of the country, Ukraine, Israel. Their thoughts on the foreign policy. Um, they were, I'd say, generally united in believing that America should support both Ukraine and Israel, particularly Israel. But no boots on the ground either place. I'd say was the consensus. With the exception of um, you know, Scott Mann and Dan O'Shea, both of the special forces guys, you know, they were cautious about American boots on the ground, but they stressed that Islamist extremism is a very big threat and that they think that our country kind of wants to move on from that. But as one of them said to me, unfortunately the enemy gets a vote. You know, these people, these Islamist extremists have not moved on. And that, that they felt, you know, not that the Russia and China aren't potential threats down the road, but they were of the opinion that the immediate greater threat is Islamist extremists around the world, backed by Iran. So and I wish... They, I- they seem to feel that our foreign policy isn't quite... Um, directed, focused enough on that, you know, and they were bitter about the Afghanistan withdrawal, both of them very, not just because, you know, they, they have emotion about leaving our allies behind, but they think it was very unwise and that some of the weapons that were left behind, I think it was Scott Mann who told me that he has sources in Afghanistan who've told him that some of those very weapons were used in the Hamas attack on Israelis which I, I hadn't heard anywhere else.
0: Well, I had, he- I had read that they had said that some of the weapons that from, and this is during the early stages, mm. some of the weapons from Afghanistan or military uh, equipment was used in the attack in Israel. And that just goes to show that that was a very foolish move by this administration, a move that, again, once again, the media tries to downplay pretend as though it didn't happen and that it wasn't a big deal when we saw that it was a big deal we saw people running trying to get on an airplane to get out of afghanistan And we basically, Biden just turned his back on him, the same way he left some Americans there, and they claimed that, well, they wanted to stay there. We didn't know they were there. They said the same thing about Israel. Well, we don't know who's there, and some of them want to stay there, and only to find out that that just wasn't the truth. And again, it goes back to what I was saying. The media, which is operating as a propaganda arm of the government, of the Democrat government, refused to call them out. And that is the reason why I say that they need to be shut down. Down because they're not functioning as an independent media. They're functioning as a propaganda arm of the government. And that's extremely dangerous. When that happens, you look at what history has shown us what happens when the media is functioning for the government and not independently. The truth isn't out there. We don't get the truth. And we see that now. We're not getting the truth about a lot of things that are happening that happened in the 2020 election. I don't have to go back and you know, regurgitate all that. You guys know my thoughts on it. You know what happened. But this is extremely dangerous. But then every so often there is a glimmer of hope when someone like yourself, Heather, gets a story and you put it out there and you're able to show the side of people who are impacted, people who are willing to go to war to fight, to stand up for the country and that is huge and I wish more people would do that and more people should be turned on to this article and they should read it and as I said when the podcast goes up we're definitely going to share this because I think that people need to understand the impact of war, they need to understand what war really is it's not like a cakewalk. But yet still, you have men and women who are willing to do it, who are willing to put it all on the line for their country. You listen to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform. And my special guest host tonight is Heather Robinson. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to continue this conversation about the war and Israel as well as Ukraine and everything else that's taking place. So hope to You will come back and listen to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform. God bless. God bless Israel. And God bless America. Thank you and good night.